We are continuing in our study of the book of Colossians. If you've been with us, uh, you know that's our study. And um, uh, we are working through actually the second part and what I now will call a three-part message. So it, uh, it started out as one, it became two, and uh, now it will be three. I think it's appropriate. Now, this would be, uh, or this is, um, Palm Sunday, uh, a day when, as a church, we would celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to his people, of which they would reject him. And this week, entering into this week, uh, would be, uh, of course, uh, the, the uh, things that would transpire in Jerusalem, ultimately that led to the Lord Jesus' crucifixion after his rejection, uh, his um, burial for three days, and then his resurrection, which we would celebrate and do celebrate next week. And so a note for those who are tuning in, um, we won't have a Wednesday night, um, but we will have a Friday, Good Friday, uh, tune in on uh, the same channel. And so we encourage you to, to take part in that on Good Friday. And then uh, next Sunday, this text really lends itself uh, to speaking about the resurrection in the closing verses. And so uh, rather than try to um, really work through all of these aspects that we've been speaking about, we're going to address uh, them as uh, we get to uh, the last points uh, through uh, the power of the resurrection scene uh, as declared in this text. So Colossians chapter 2. Verses 8 through 15, I'd like to read that text, and then we'll work our way through uh, the second part of this three-part series. It says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. The title for uh, this over this three-part message really is Beware, Uh, or you will be cheated. And that really comes out of the first part of verse uh, 8. It says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit or tradition of men uh, according to the principles of this world. And so we covered that warning last week and really covered a lot of the introduction uh, to this material. So I won't go back. Uh, That is the benefit, I guess, of recording it, uh, both video and audio. Uh, You can go back if you want to Uh, pick up on the introduction. You can certainly go back and pre-watch that if you watched it last week. I don't need to rehearse it for you again. But the proposition here is really clear that you and I as believers on a negative side must guard against heresy uh, specifically regarding to the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
And uh, on a positive side, I would say it this way, we can rest in the finished work of Christ. We can rest in his finished work uh, and everything that was accomplished through him in salvation. And as um, you may remember, if you were with us last week, uh, there are five powerful reasons why uh, we can rest in Christ that are given to us really out of this text. Number one, uh, in Christ is the fullness of deity. In Christ is the fullness of deity. And you are complete in him. Each one connects the believer to Christ. Each one of these, we find that um, because of this, we, we don't want to move away from our present place of where we are in Christ Jesus. And so in Christ is the fullness of deity and you are complete in him. Secondly, in Christ is the fullness of authority and you are secure in him. Uh, Christ uh, is the head, it says, of all principalities and powers. And so he is not subordinate to any. And those who are his and who are connected to him uh, can, can rest assured in that security. Thirdly, in Christ is the fullness of the Spirit, uh, and you are sanctified in Him. Those three, uh, the Lord willing, we will try to cover this morning and address each of those. The last two we'll save uh, for next week as uh, we look to uh, the time of celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And so uh, point number four, or the fifth powerful reason why we can rest in Christ is in Christ is the fullness of life. And you are raised and alive with him. Uh, and then finally, uh, in Christ is the fullness of forgiveness. Uh, and you are under grace uh, in Christ Jesus, not under the law any longer. All of this is clear in this text. And all of it was meant to be a comfort to the believers. All of this was meant to uh, kind of draw their attention back to where they should have been all along. Um, maybe they were being swayed or moved by false teachers who were, who were uh, causing them to think that somehow something was missing, that something was out of place, that there was um, something in their faith um, that, that needed to be added to what already was there. And so in this text, we find um, Paul giving assurance to the believers that they had everything and that they should not be moved away. As I Think of introducing this the last time, uh, just introducing the text. Um, uh, there was one thing as far as uh, aspect goes, but as I thought about introducing this, I, I thought about um, probably all of us who have ever done any kind of work with our hands, um, any person who's ever worked as, uh, in mechanical things or even on carpentry or other things or built something, knows the frustration uh, that comes when you just overdo something just a little bit. Um, you know, you uh, if you're uh, tightening something down and you think, I better just snug it down just a little bit more. Just give it a half a turn or a quarter of a turn. And uh, and as you're doing that, you hear a snap. And you think, oh no, I have to start all over again, right? Um, or if you're working on wood and uh, and you think, well, I should just shave just a little bit more off of this or just stand one more time or whatever that is. And you mar it, you wreck it, it was good, and you um, overdo it by, by doing something else. And, and so in this text, uh, really that's what you have. In Christ Jesus, you have everything. Um, 
don't look beyond that. Don't look for something uh, to add to what He has already done. If you've placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and are resting in His finished work, a work that He Himself accomplished for us, then you cannot improve on it. You can't add to it. You can't make it better if you would. The work that was necessary to save your soul from the penalty of sin and to equip you for eternity with God was finished on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago. And uh, the resurrection of Christ affirmed it. So rest in that finished work. That's what this text is saying to these Colossian believers who are being really uh, harassed, if you would, by false teachers. Uh, They were coming in and really leading them away. And that's that warning that we looked at last week. The word uh, cheated literally has the idea of taking captive, um, taking you as slaves and then selling you into slavery. And really, anything that you would try to do or to add to what Christ has done really is slavery. It really is a work of hands uh, of your hands. And so this letter to the Colossians was written to address these false teachers who were sailing the faith of these new believers with a teaching that Christ was not either fully God um, and therefore not fully capable to save them. And, uh, and so they needed to put their confidence in something else, in someone else. And so you find this um, really assailing their faith. And so to assure them, the Apostle Paul writes um, what we have before us. So uh, we're going to look at these five powerful reasons, at least the first three uh, this morning. And we trust, I trust that they will be a help and encouragement to you. And so the first, the first powerful reason to be on guard is, uh, is, is that in Christ is the fullness of deity. You are complete in him. I want to talk a little bit about the language, um, and and I don't want to, you know, spend a lot of time here. Um, but let me just say, uh, speak to the language in this way briefly. Um, the word "for" that starts off in in verse nine, "for you are, um, for in Christ the fullness of the Godhead bodily, or dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily." That word "for" uh, is in the Greek language the word "hati." It's a demonstrative conjunction. And so what it's doing is it's actually going to explain something. It's going to demonstrate something. They were just encouraged. The verb in the previous verse, beware, watch out for, be careful for, is, is actually now being explained. Uh, it's, it's, it's taking them now to that next part or explanation uh, this demonstrative conjunction, which, which is explaining the point. Hence, do not be cheated away from the riches that you already have in Christ Jesus. Because, um, if you would, and that's what follows, because of this. Because in him dwells the fullness of deity. He is the Lord over all powers. Um, in him uh, is a circumcision made without hands. All of those things then follow and explain why and how they should be vigilant. So, um, hence, you do not want to be cheated away from the riches that you have in Christ um, because of what Christ has done. And so observe next in the English the the repeated prepositions. Again, I don't want to spend a lot of time in language, um, but notice the prepositions in and which. 
um, uh, or with, rather, that you that follow in this. In verse 9, in him dwells. You are complete in him, verse 10. In him you were, verse 11. Buried with him, verse 12. Made alive together with him. Uh, all of these are connecting the believer to Christ, which is why these five um, reasons are brought out. These are the reasons. Because, and then here's the reasons that follow. In Him, in Him, in Him, with Him, with Him, are all meant to comfort you of what you have in Christ Jesus. The emphatic statement saying, stop making uh, Christianity about you or your experience, or your works, or your sin comes out of this text. Instead, fix your eyes on Christ. That's really what's being said. Stop looking at your sin. So often we get this way, don't we? We, we, we fail uh, to appreciate the forgiveness and the cleansing and the work that God has done in our life because of Christ. And we look at our sin and we look at the insurmountable nature of that sin and we start to wallow in that sin or uh, we look at some experience that we had and we start to take stock in that experience. Oh, I felt closer to God then or I felt like I had a, a closer walk with Him at that time or whatever. Or we look at some ceremony, some ex um, religious participation of ours and think somehow that we had more at that point. No, in Christ. In Christ. With Christ. This is the emphatic statement. Stop making it about you and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Christ plus nothing brings completion to our lives and to our salvation. The point that is being made here in light of the warning um, is not to be cheated. Um, is not to add anything or take away anything that you already have in Christ Jesus. Well then, you have been taken captive if you do, if you would. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God and our salvation is of Him and through Him and to Him. There is here a play on words uh, then um, in the word fullness uh, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead and the word you are complete. They're actually, the two words, are sister terms. The word fullness is pleroma and it means, uh, it was used in the maritime world, if you would, of a ship that was ready to sail. Uh, it had everything on board, all of the wares that it was going to carry, all of the cargo the crew was on board, any military staff, the captain was there. All they had to do was let loose from the dock and sail away. This is the idea of Pleroma. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. And you are complete. And that's the word um, uh, that, that is uh, Pleru. It, it means you are full. Um, you are filled up in him. And so in Christ is the fullness and you are full in him. All right, that's really what's going on. Now, there's a lot more to the language, and I'm not going to um, go too far down that track. Um, but in this text, when it says when it, um, the term Godhead, that is the strongest word probably in the New Testament that refers to the deity of Christ. It is, it is only used, this word is only used here 
and, and it could not be any stronger. Note this um, from one commentary. It says, uh, the Greek word um, means the essence and nature of the Godhead, not merely the divine perfections or not merely the attributes of divinity were in Christ, but he was indeed, the, he wasn't just a God-like man, he was the God-man. He was God incarnate, God in flesh. And so to add to this, it says you are complete in him. You are filled up to the full, literally. And uh, it is, and you are, and if this is the emphatic position here, you are in him filled to the full. Um, you are in him filled up full. And so uh, you are filled in him. You are um, uh, in this immediate union. And in that union you possess uh, potentially everything, all that you need, all grace and all the forgiveness and everything that abounds in Christ Jesus. So, this is what you must not miss. As you keep in mind the warning above, the false teachers would try to make you think that somehow you're missing something. That somehow uh, you have something to do. Um, or that Christ is somehow insufficient or incapable of saving you to the fullest. To suggest that there is some secret knowledge or some extra duty, some religious experience, some new faith uh, uh, to complete. In so doing, you would actually leave the true riches in Christ Jesus. By looking for something more than what you already have in Christ Jesus by simple faith, you're actually looking for something, you're moving away from the riches that you already have. I love uh, this, uh, just a couple of stanzas or verses um, from Isaac Watts. Listen to these. Oh, for a sight, a blissful sight of our Almighty Father's throne, there sits the Savior crowned with light, clothed in a body like our own. Adoring saints around him stand, the thrones and powers before him fall. The God shines gracious, then God shines gracious through the man who, and sheds sweet glories on them all. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him dwells the fullness of God. Secondly, the second powerful reason um, in which we can take comfort in Christ Jesus and not be moved is that in Christ is the fullness of authority. In Christ is the fullness of authority and you are secure in him. It says you are complete in him and then it goes on to say who is the head of all principality and power. Here the sacred scriptures are addressing a truth uh, to these believers that was under attack by the false teachers. Again, those false teachers in making Jesus less than God also taught that his power was limited. So here is the affirmation of his power. They also taught that you needed to seek God through other intermediaries, um, uh, other means, other, other mediators, so um, other lesser beings. And you could not approach God directly yourself, but through those, once again, this is not the first time this idea has appeared in this text. Um, and it was presented earlier in chapter 1 and verse 16. Note that verse says this, 
For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created both for him and through him. Right? So uh, the salient point here you can't miss is when coupled with this warning is that being connected to Christ is being connected to the one true God who is the supreme power over all things. Alright? All powers, all other powers, are subordinate to Him. So to turn away from Christ would be unwise. It would be going to a, a superior, an inferior power. Uh, it would be um, certainly a step down um, and a step away from what you already have. So let me say this with clarity. If you're in Christ Jesus, then you have direct access by God into the very presence of the Father. Uh, it is uh, You don't need to go through another mediator. Um, nor ought you to pray to any other being but the living God. This is very clear in this text. That Jesus Christ is the head over all principalities. And you are connected to Him and secure in Him. I remember as a kid, as I was preparing this, I thought of, uh, as an adolescent, this was as a young man, uh, I, we would have these playground comparisons um, of who was stronger and who was more powerful. And then it would always end up digressing to, well, my dad can do this and my dad can do that. You may have had some of those conversations Probably not uh, if you're a young lady, but as a young boy, you probably had those conversations. And I remember on one occasion, of course, being uh, uh, the young, younger end of 13 children, I remember uh, one playground conversation where we got into that. And I said, well, my dad was in the Army, and, uh, and he fought in World War II. And my oldest sister was, is in the Navy, and her husband was in the Navy. And, and my, oh, my second oldest sister's husband is in the Air Force. And, and my two older brothers are right now in the Navy and in the Marines. So I, only, I have my dad who is in the Army, and I have the Navy, and I have the Air Force, and I have the Marines. There, top that. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's kind of like um, uh, as if they would come to my beckoning if I wanted her BS. Um, certainly wasn't the case. But it sounded good to me at the time. And uh, the point was... Uh, I had this great, powerful family connection uh, that was going to support me if I did something foolish. Uh, well, in this text, Jesus has no rivals. There are no rivals to him. He is the all-powerful God far above any other power, whatever sort they be. So being connected to him means that you're secure. Or as one commentary put it, all the personal powers of the unseen, however real and glorious, are but limbs of this head. Therefore, no nearer to him than you are, and no less dependent on him. Live then on the fountain, not on its streams. Use the full and the fullness which in Christ is yours and not for some lesser power. What a great imagery of being connected to Christ. We have nothing um, that 
uh, would cause us to move away, to look for confidence in anything else, to look away from Christ to anything or to anyone else, is to be cheated. It is to go from being plugged into the source to going to battery backup. Don't allow some tradition of man or some practice of religion, some conjured mystery or some false narrative to move you away from the secure position that you have in Christ Jesus. You who have fled to Him have a sure and steadfast hope. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. And so it says this, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. I couldn't help as I was thinking of these verses and of this thought of being secure in Christ, of uh, an old hymn that we used to sing. And in fact, I and, and uh, Mike uh, reflected on the, this hymn earlier in the week, um, Will Your Anchor Hold? Uh, it is a beautiful hymn that speaks about um, the fact that as a believer, our anchor holds secure in Christ. Let me read the stanzas to you. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm, and, or firm remain? Will your anchor hold in the straits of fear when the breakers roar and the reef is near? While the surges rage and the wild winds blow, shall the anger, angry waves then your bark or flow? Will your anchor? This is this is um, this one. I almost wept several times. This is for you, Chris, if you're listening. Um, will your anchor hold in the floods of death, when the water cold chill your lattice breath on the rising tide? You can never fall while your anchor holds within the veil. And then it closes with this last stanza. Will your eyes behold through the morning light the city of gold and the harbor bright? Will your anchor safe by the heavenly with will your anchor safe by the heavenly shore when the life storms are past forevermore? Just a powerful hymn reminding us of the security that we have in Christ. There is no other being. There is no other person worthy of your confidence than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have come to Christ, then you are secure. Look no further. And as we will see next, there is no religious ceremony, no action required to save your soul that needs to be added to what Christ has already done. Nothing that can make you more whole than you already are having come to Christ by faith. And so the third powerful reason to be on guard in Christ is the fullness of the Spirit. Notice it says in verse 11, In Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 
as mentioned in our introduction, there was, as a part of the heresy that was creeping into the church at Colossae, a Jewish element of law-keeping. And as, as, as is apparent here, it, is, it included teaching that one had to be circumcised to truly follow God. Or at least to make you closer to God. Now, circumcision was an Old Testament covenant. It was an obligation that signified a person to be a part of Israel, the people of God. Its meaning involved both uh, the, this relationship of being a part of that covenant community, but also it described an obligation. It meant that you were bound by the covenant to keep the law of Moses. And it metaphorically signified putting off the old manner, putting off the flesh. Early Christian people faced this heresy often. And, uh, and some of the most helpful verses are found in the New Testament as this problem was dealt with early on in the church. For instance, in Acts chapter 15, the first council of the church was brought together. And you can see the problem in verse 1 and the solution in verse 24 of Acts 15. In Acts 15 and verse 1, it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, so you see the problem. That somehow you had to add something to faith. Right? And in verse 24 it says, uh, this is the answer after the whole council meeting took place. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. And then he goes on to say um, that they are um, sending out messengers that will actually go to all the church to undo uh, this harm that was caused. But notice, now it says not only that you had to be circumcised, but that you had to keep the law. All uh, right, That's the connection that you find. In Romans chapter 2, in verses 28 and 29, Paul says he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from men, but of God. And then finally, in Galatians chapter 5, these words were written, and, and the whole area of Galatia was being affected by the same heresy. And, uh, and so in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 2 through 6 there, um, the apostolic writing was this, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For, if Christ Je for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. See, to, to look to some ceremony, and then specifically the ceremony of circumcision, somehow make you more Jewish and therefore make you more Christian, which was being um, brought upon the church at that time, in this text it's saying, listen, if you 
follow through on that, you become a debtor to the law. You need to keep the law. You've fallen from grace. You're adding to what Christ has done. The point that's being made in Colossians then is that they did not need a physical ceremonial act of circumcision to become Jewish so that they could become better Christians. They were not bound by the obligations of the law nor of its requirements. God had already performed this in a much more profound way. How? By circumcising their hearts, um, not made with hands, it says. That is, by this work that God did inside of them. Now, this wasn't a new idea to the New Testament. In fact, now this goes back uh, all the way into the Old Testament and the teachings of Moses to the Jewish people and beginning with him that they needed to have a new heart, that just law-keeping wasn't sufficient. And so, just notice a couple of verses, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6, Moses penned these words, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And in Jeremiah chapter 4, In verse 4, after um, thousands of years and the people of God rejecting uh, the Lord and turning to idols, Jeremiah, the, uh, the prophet in Jerusalem who was rebuking the people, wrote these words, Circumcise there yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. That is, you have a heart problem. It isn't a ceremony. It isn't an act. It isn't a religious observance. It's your heart. Indeed, God's people, the people of God, were never justified by works or religious ceremonial acts. The Scriptures are clear. Abraham was justified by faith before he was circumcised. The teaching of salvation by faith is clearly taught both in Old and New Testaments, and those who would confound you into thinking that you need to do something or to add something so that you might be right with God are abandoning the teachings of Christ and do you a great disservice as they move you away from a sure and steadfast hope. The idea of circumcision of the heart made without hands is directly connected, actually, in the Old Testament to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Notice uh, this reference from Ezekiel, chapter 36 and verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. This same thought of um, this spiritual circumcision being the inwrought work of the Holy Spirit coming also comes in the Apostle Paul's writings. Notice this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. He writes this, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And again in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, he writes, 
For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Indeed, um, these uh, speak to the spiritual working, this inwrought grace of Christ uh, through the Holy Spirit. And so that the last phrase in verse 11 in our book, in, in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, by the circumcision of Christ connects it all to that phrase, not made with hands. It literally means the circumcision that belongs to Christ, that is, that belongs to Him and those who are connected to Him. If you have put your faith in Christ, then you have been circumcised spiritually of your heart. God has created a new heart, a new desire to serve Him. And so the main point here is once again that salvation is an inwrought work by God in which He does everything, including giving you a new heart. No ceremonial act, no religious experience will make you closer to God than you already are if you have come to Him by faith. Don't search for some hidden secret, some magic potion, some religious formula. Uh, it is in Christ and Him alone that you are sanctified. In Him you are made holy. And so, as, as we look at this text, we see this coming back to Christ, coming back to Christ. Not placing our confidence in the flesh. Not looking for something outside of Christ. You have it all. You have it all in Christ Jesus. And so rest in Him. Don't be troubled by someone who might try to suggest that you need to do something. Or you need to, to know something. Uh, that, that there's uh, something outside of the realm of what you have come to know in Christ Jesus. In Him, we're secure. In Him, we're complete. In Him, we have been sanctified. All of these uh, we already somewhat covered in the early chapters of this epistle, um, but I hope that these will be a comfort to you. And again, look forward to connecting with you again uh, on Good Friday uh, and uh, trust that this will be an encouragement to you through the week. You're secure in Christ Jesus. Uh, Pastor Josh and Mike are going to come and lead us in a closing hymn.